Faith, Hope and Love, episode 348, the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. This weekend's gospel could be entitled, How Quickly a Friendly Crowd Can Turn Nasty. The wonderful second reading can be used as a key to understanding the dynamic going on between our Lord and the people in the synagogue of Nazareth in the gospel. Jesus is the visible expression of God. God who is, by nature, complete love. Everything Jesus did and said was out of love and no other reason. Even when he spoke a challenging message, it was a loving invitation to the people to be more open to the ways of God or to change their minds and hearts so that they're closer aligned with God's heart and to reject any narrow views. By contrast, the people become enraged, even when Jesus was lovingly speaking the truth. They took huge offence and became angry and defensive and even wanted to kill him. So they were not acting out of love, for, as we hear from St. Paul in another part of the scriptures, love takes no offence, rather it seeks only to build up. Initially, the crowd is astonished and impressed with our Lord's speech. But then when our Lord starts to tell them a few home truths that really challenge or stretch their thinking and move them out of their comfort zone, well, that becomes an entirely different matter. Suddenly, they don't like what they're hearing. In fact, they become murderously angry. Now, they reject his message out of hand, even though his message is quite evidently true. In fact, they're offended by the truth of it. They can't face the challenging facts. They say, who does he think he is? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? What would he know? Attacking the person or qualities about the person, rather than dealing with the substantial content of their actual message, in cricketing terms, I think it's called playing the person, not the ball. Whenever a person dismisses something another is saying, based on irrelevant qualities, Surely it's because they don't want to hear something that's really challenging their viewpoint. Attacking the person rather than the issue seems to have become an all-too-common sport in this day and age. But we need to see it for what it is, a simple but effective defence against the truth. In fact, the stronger and faster and more violent an angry reaction is to an evidently true observation actually shows the enormous level of resistance that that person or group of people has built up around that false reality. Our Lord shows us that it's not sufficient to know the words of Scripture off by heart. The people listening to him knew all too well the words of sacred Scripture, particularly the lines that he was reading in that synagogue. These lines were extremely familiar to the people of that time. They knew them by heart, or at least by memory. But people were comfortable with the scriptures. Over many years, they'd found satisfying interpretations of the Bible that did not unsettle or ever challenge them. Now, suddenly our Lord is interpreting and teaching the meaning of these ancient, familiar texts in a way that is new and unsettling, eminently authentic and true. The way our Lord was teaching was making them feel uncomfortable. And suddenly he was shaking their complacency. He particularly pointed out that merely belonging to the chosen people of Israel was not everything that mattered. God had helped and welcomed people who were not part of the chosen ones, and throughout history had often done so. Having said this, our Lord didn't wake up each morning and say, now what can I say that'll get people so riled up 
though thou want to throw me off a cliff. No, rather Christ acted and taught with compassion, love, and grace, and of course honesty. And his honesty and passion opened up issues that sadly some would violently react to. He wanted people to be open and transformed by God's different but life-giving ways. But this means being brave enough to be unsettled, to be faithful and trusting enough and loving enough to be uncomfortable and open to the different. The crowd did not like what they were hearing. So what did they do? Did they go, oh, this is challenging. Let's really think about this. Let's open our minds and hearts to widen our understanding and grow into Christ's kingdom. Sadly, no. Instead, they did what people have done throughout history to challenging, unsettling, and new understandings of a message. They tried to throw the messenger off the nearest cliff, literally in this present case. But isn't that what that saying means? Don't shoot the messenger. This gospel is a powerful lesson. It might be a natural human defence to reject ideas or people that unsettle us as a reflex action, but it's a very, very unhelpful way. When we find ourselves challenged or unsettled by some news, instead of rejecting it out of hand, why don't we rely on God's grace and open our hearts to what the Lord might be inviting us to understand, to what the Lord is bringing to birth in this moment? to stay in their discomfort zone and give respect to the messenger, no matter how challenging it is. The Gospels give us values and wisdom to test the fruits according to the ways of Christ amidst all the confusion and uneasiness of life. So they drag him outside and mean to throw him off a very tall cliff. What happens next if it wasn't such a scary and dangerous situation would almost seem comical because Jesus is described as simply slipping through the crowd and walking away unnoticed. You could almost visualise the crowd disappearing up the hill as our Lord casually walks away in the opposite direction. What a sight! But let's not get too complacent. Maybe that's happened in our own lives. We lost sight of what was going on and where the truth lay. When they get up to the top of the hill, their anger and denial have become so blinding that they don't even realise they've lost the very object of their anger. He's vanished. He's gone. Holding on to our selfish mindsets can be so powerful that we too could lose sight of the original thing that challenged us. Or was our Lord so ordinary looking, so average, so unnoticeable in these people's eyes that they quickly lost sight of him and didn't even notice he was no longer among them in that crowd gathered to try and throw him off the cliff? In so many ways, they just didn't get him. And they didn't get his message. And they didn't want to know the message. They didn't want to open their minds to it. It's taking that leap of faith and finding that rather than losing everything, they've gained everything a deeper insight into God's heart and mind and love. They really couldn't see him or understand him for who he was. He eluded their grasp in their minds and hearts as well as their physical grasp. So let's be vigilant to ensure we never fall into that same trap as did the unteachable, resistant and angry crowd. This is Faith, Hope and Love. Unclearly, as if.
Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name and make it our glory to praise you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hello, everyone, and goodness and faithfulness to everyone. As we come together as God's family, let's first call to mind our sins. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned against you. Show us, O Lord, your mercy and grant us your salvation. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God. Let us pray for the gift of true Christian love. Grant us, Lord our God, that we may honour you with all our mind and love everyone in truth of heart through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Therefore, gird up your loins, stand up and tell the people everything that I command you. Do not break down before them, or I will break you before them. And I, for my part, have made you today a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its princes, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. The Word of the Lord I will sing of your salvation. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice rescue me, free me, pay heed to me and save me. Be a rock where I can take refuge, a mighty stronghold to save me. For you are my rock, my stronghold. Free me from the hand of the wicked. It is you, O Lord, who are my hope, my trust, O Lord, since my youth. On you I have leaned from my birth, from my mother's womb you have been my help. My lips will tell of your justice, and day by day of your help. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I proclaim your wonders still. I will sing of your salvation. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. 
The Word of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord has sent me to bring good news to the poor and freedom to prisoners. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and read from the prophet Isaiah. The eyes of all were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord The readings of today's Gospel passage, as well as the second reading from St Paul, should be very familiar to us. Perhaps because they remind us of the reality of our own lives and the standards that we wish we could live by. Once again, we find Jesus speaking words that, although truthful, are difficult to hear. So what do you do when faced with an unpleasant truth or a challenging choice? Do you shoot the messenger, so to speak? Do you try to discredit the person speaking when you cannot refute the essence of the message? While some of the crowd are awed by Jesus' gracious words, others are more concerned about his pedigree and his address. Jesus, for his mission to humankind, had to face local suspicion and gossip. Essentially, he found, as we do, that prophets are accepted provided they come from somewhere else and don't say things that we are not ready to hear. Clearly, Jesus is not free from local prejudice. He's not above the haphazard way that people look at other people. Firstly, they complain that Jesus performs no local wonders while letting him know that they disbelieve him anyway. When he tells them his message is addressed to all people, they become angry. So even though they don't like what he's saying, they're selfish enough to think that they should be the only ones to hear it, 
But let's not point the finger too quickly at their fickleness, because we too reject our prophets all the time. Sometimes their truth is too confronting, because it doesn't conform to our perceived ideas. And that's what Jesus' congregation is saying. How can he know anything? He's not our idea of a prophet. To accept the prophet, we must first give up our perceived ideas of where we will find the truth and be ready to accept it in its many disguises. It's one of the concerns that we must address in the plenary council presently taking place in the Australian Catholic Church. Can we let go of our long-held notions to be able to hear something that might be vastly different to what we have accepted or feel comfortable with? Secondly, we reject those prophets who come to us with demands. When the teachings of Jesus require us to change our behaviour and to sometimes surrender our comfortable lifestyle, then it becomes all too demanding and we turn our backs on our faith and ultimately on God. What was it that Jesus said? If we only love those who love you back, what reward is that? If we only greet our family and friends, what more are we doing than other people? Turn the cheek if someone strikes you. Forgive your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If only Jesus had given us easy things to do, then more people would believe in him. Jesus speaks hard sayings. There's no denying that. He challenges our preconceptions. He asks us to see him in the poor and disenfranchised. Shall we reject the prophet who comes to us in this way? Shall we rise up against him? When we realize that he's speaking the truth, it's then that we experience an inner conflict. How can we find the resolve to make the changes that we know are required? It's really turmoil within ourselves to try to walk down the path less travelled that will lead to the destination that we seek. But that road itself seems to have too many hills to climb. And that's why the message of Paul to the Corinthians today is so practical and sensible. He speaks of the quality of love that endures whatever comes. The love that we require needs to be patient and kind, yet sometimes has the face of impatience and unkindness, sometimes ready to condemn and take pleasure in the failings and weaknesses of others. While we want our love for others to be satisfying and productive, according to Paul, we must accept that love can be a tough program. But we cannot reject it because we know he speaks the truth. The lessons that are hardest to learn are the ones we will remember for life. The Apostles' Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. God has spoken to us through Jesus. We now speak our words to God, confident that they will be heard. For the Church throughout the world, that it may be a prophetic voice among the nations. Lord, hear us. For those who serve in public office, that they will never take advantage of their positions. Lord, hear us. For those who are married, that they will grow deeper in their commitment and openness with one another. Lord, hear us. For families that live in this local community, that the Lord will keep us in peace. Lord, hear us. For friends and relatives who have died, that they will find peace in God's presence, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. Compassionate God, listen to these prayers that we have made and help us to open our hearts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. With humble and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at our hands for the praise and glory of his name for our good and the good of all his holy church. O Lord, we bring to your altar these offerings of our service. Be pleased to receive them, we pray, and transform them into the sacrament of our redemption. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. 
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For we know it belongs to your boundless glory that you came to the aid of mortal beings with your divinity, and even fashioned for us a remedy out of mortality itself, that the cause of our downfall might become the means of our salvation through Christ our Lord. Through him the host of angels adores your majesty and rejoices in your presence for ever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Mark, our Bishop, and his assistant, Ken, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, 
we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever. Amen. At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. May the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, through your death gave life to the world, free me by this your most holy body and blood from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. May the body of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. Amen. May the blood of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. Amen. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your merciful love. O Lord, let me never be put to shame, for I call on you. A prayer for spiritual communion in union with all who are unable to physically receive communion at this time. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the blessed sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already here, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Body of Christ. Amen.
the blood of Christ. Amen. Let us pause for a time of quiet post-communion prayer and reflection. What has passed our lips as food, O Lord, may we possess in purity of heart, that what has been given to us in time may be our healing for eternity. Let us pray. Nourished by these redeeming gifts, we pray, O Lord, that through this help to eternal salvation, true faith may ever increase. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful week and that God's grace and blessings are with you always. God is always with us, of course. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.
today I am.